0: Oh, good morning. Boy, what a different look from last year's Easter. All right, think back with me. Can you remember back that far? Can you remember how weird of a year we've had? All right, so last year, there was about 10 people in the building. Right, we were just preaching to a camera, and we trust that you guys were watching at home. And so good to see so many folks back together. We know there's still a lot of folks that are still watching at home. I get all kinds of uh, input from people all over the place now who are watching from all over the place. I had people, just in the last week, I've heard from people in Shreveport, Houston, and Jacksonville. So, hey to you guys who are spread out all over the place who are joining us this morning for our Easter celebration. Uh, Let's do this. I want to read, and I don't have this in your notes, but I don't want to take for granted the Easter story as we... Look at the witness of the resurrection today. So Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Let me just make this comment, right? It's Easter Sunday. Don't need to tell anybody here that everybody knows it's Easter Sunday. This is my fifty-seventh Easter morning. Uh, of course, you know I was a baby for a bunch of those and little for you know years after that, so didn't really pay attention to what was on the calendar. But I don't recall ever having an easter take place where i was like it's East. it's easter how did that creep up on me right everybody sees easter coming all over the world right so one of the things i want to do this morning as we interact with god's word is is i want to see if we can make sense of how did this day get on everybody's calendar How did this day make such an appearance and such a presence in our lives? How did it have such an impact in the world? We're going to read the story in just a moment here. And you're going to need to remember that it's happening in some remote, no social media location. 2,000 years ago. And we're still gathering today to interact with its message and its impact on our lives. And can I just use that word impact? Because if this day had had very little impact on people's lives, we would not be talking about it anymore. So just think about that for a moment. Because there's this witness of the resurrection we're going to see in scripture. If this day were only an event, only an event, you'd stop talking about it eventually. It has to keep having an impact on people. And not just be a story. And that's what we're going to see in the scriptures today. But let's, let's look in Matthew 28 you have a Bible there, you have an app, you can look at that with us in this great story. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, it was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow— And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray together. Lord, this day is the most obvious, miraculous day that we could ever ponder. It is the day that the event of all events, that all of our lives feel the weight of, and the burden of, and the fear of, and the reality of, The Bible says every day of our lives, we live in this shadow of this thing called death. And Lord, when we can distract ourselves for a few moments, it's just a few moments. Because in some way, something is going to die around us. Someone is going to die around us. And we're going to be reminded that death awaits us as well. And then this morning comes. The morning in which there's a pronouncement that there is one. Who defeated death there's one who has power over death there's one who demonstrated that he could take on death and come out of the other side and death would not have the final word in his life and he sends messengers to tell others we see that in that passage lord twice they are told go go and tell what you have seen So, Lord, this morning, this miracle of miracles, it finds its way to us. Lord, here we are, some 2,000 years removed from this morning, 7,000 miles removed from Jerusalem in a little town called New Orleans. And these words, they're still alive and they come to find us and what impact they will have if we would believe them. So Lord, would you please help us this morning to believe these words? In Jesus' name, amen. First order of business, if you had hung out with the disciples after they had been with Jesus, he has been resurrected, they're gonna encounter this resurrected Jesus, and I'm not gonna go into the details of of remembering that, the disciples didn't have it all figured out. This This was not their moment of, ah, we knew it. We saw this coming. They, this was not their moment. They were confused. Jesus' death for them was an end that they weren't prepared for. And then he's going to meet with them over a period of 40 days before his ascension. And then he's going to go to be with the Father. He's going to tell them to wait for something. Right? So this is after the resurrection. I'm going to read a number of scriptures to us today just to get what God does to get this message to us this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 10. It says, While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Now, this is not the resurrection, right? This is 40 days after the resurrection. And Jesus has now been taken up into heaven, and they have seen this take place. Verse 11 they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away in verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons who was all about 120. Can you hold on to that number? There's 120 people that have been gathered together after Jesus has been ascended to the Father. This massive resurrection event has taken place. There's 120. I don't know if that number impresses you or not. 120. And said, brothers the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Right now at this moment, Peter becomes aware we need to replace Judas among us. And then in verse 21 of that chapter. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. This term captures me, and, and eventually it captures every one of us who have called upon Christ. Because the means through which God transfers this news of the resurrection, that there is a God who came in human flesh, who lived among us, who lived a perfect life, who died and was buried and was risen again, that news came to us through a witness. Everybody in this room, I would dare say I don't miss a one person, that some human being wearing flesh came and told you about the resurrection. Can you remember the first time you came across that news? Even a better question, can you remember the first time it gripped you? Because I came across that news really early in life. It didn't grip me until a little bit later in life. But first order of business, right? They're gathered, there's got a lot of questions. Jesus has said, wait, they're waiting in Jerusalem. They don't know exactly what they're waiting for. They're praying, there's 120 of them. And first order of business, we need to put our house in order here. We need to put the church house in order here because this is a first order of business issue. We need to appoint another witness to his resurrection. Now, Jesus had said some of this to them before. When Jesus had met with them, right? If you turn over to Luke chapter 24, you're gonna see Jesus giving this same talk to them. And I want to highlight two things as we, we look at this witness of the resurrection. This witness has particular content to it, but when it comes to religion, how many of you guys know that there's content all over the place? The religious category is a big category. There's religions all over the world. People believe all kinds of things. People within some religions, right, get Sunnis and Shiites within the Muslim religion, they go to war with each other over the differences of what they believe. You've got divisions within Judaism, divisions within Christianity. So not everybody believes the same thing. So it matters when you read the Bible and the Bible comes along and says specific things. Don't ever take up the option that that's not necessary because i just believe something different, right? The Bible says something specific. So there's content and then there's a mechanism, right? And I want us to see both of them. Luke chapter 24, Jesus had previously given them orders about this witness as well. Luke 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, right? This is Jesus post-resurrection giving his orders to his followers. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. How does this day get on your calendar and mine? How does the resurrection show up with all of its power in the lives of people who lived 2,000 years later after the event, 7,000 miles distance from where it took place? This is how. Starting in Jerusalem, you are my witnesses, right? Witnesses of what? Well, Jesus unpacks something here. That if I'm ever gonna be impacted by the power of this resurrection, I'm gonna to have to come into agreement with what he says here. Verse 44. I wanna say Jesus is, has an unapologetic apologetic. Verse 44. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law, the law of Moses, The prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything written about me. And I want you to notice something here. When Jesus goes to unpack his story, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection, and who he is, when he goes to unpack that, he picks up the scriptures and he does not apologize for them at all. He doesn't raise one question about them, they were ancient documents then. Written many, many years before Jesus was referencing them. They had been around a long time. How do you do with ancient stuff? How does modern man do with ancient stuff? Well, he's got questions about it, doesn't he? I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I can agree with that. All right, so there's a voice of humanity that comes along and stares back at what God has written down... And some voices say, I don't know if I can believe that. Can I just let you in on something? When Jesus Christ came to earth and he spoke about these writings, he raised no questions about them. In this moment, he doesn't qualify what he says. He doesn't break out the possibility that for the most part they're right, you know, but they've been in a lot of hands. They've probably undergone a lot of change. He puts complete confidence in God's written word. And then he obligates himself to have fulfilled particular things. That there are things that are in this Bible that he had to fulfill. There's a prescription, if you will. The Messiah, when he comes, he's going to have to be a certain person. He's going to have to do certain things. And if you'll look into this word, this word, almost like a breadcrumb trail, it will take you to Jesus. That's an old illustration. Let me update that. So my latest update is how technological savvy I am for one of the first times, probably in the last couple of months, I think Gina and I were out at a restaurant. You know, you can't touch menus these days. Have you been in these places? You can't touch a menu. So you have to know how to use your phone, which I don't know a lot about, so... There's this thing called a QR code. Anybody else new to this? I know we have them on our little bulletins, right? And so if, you know, <laughs> sorry, honey, gotta tell the truth here. My wife's like, so what do you do with this? Do I just aim the phone at it? All right, and this is how savvy we are, you know? So we don't even know, you gotta turn the camera on first. Oh, oh, okay. But if you turn the camera on and you point it at this thing, it takes you to the menu, right? I mean, it's like the menu comes into your phone and you press a button, there's the menu for this restaurant. You're just thumbing through it, right? Can I, can I just tell you something? That if you'll take your soul's QR code and you'll scan this thing, it'll take you to Jesus. That's exactly what'll happen. All right, so now, now here's, the, here's the non-fun part, right? One day you get to heaven and, and God stands in front of you and says, did you scan my QR code? When you stand before him, wow, Jesus, you know, I thought there was a lot of ways to get to heaven. I took this option over here. I figured if I was just a decent person, treated some other people well, stayed out of trouble, you know, kept ahead of the crowd, then I'd be, you know, you'd let me in heaven one day because, you know, come on. I just figured a bunch of things. I figured you can't send everybody to hell. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I just thought I'm going to show up cool. And and God's just going to say, did you scan the code? Because if you'd have just picked up Genesis and started reading, you'd have seen one thing after another that had to be fulfilled, that only one person ever fulfilled, and it would have taken you right to Jesus. And you'd have pressed that button, and he'd have been standing there with the news of the resurrection in your life. And there's particular content here. You and I don't have options when it comes to this Jesus. If Jesus had to follow a prescription, if he had to fulfill specific things, then what gives us the idea that today we could be living in modern times and we could create a different recipe for what saves us? We can relate to God with a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a piece of that information and a little bit of that religion that I was around when I was a kid and plus my own ideas. And then I've reasoned that there's no way God could possibly be like this. So those are the things now that must be fulfilled. Jesus, he came to earth with a mission that he had to fulfill specific things. Don't make the mistake Of taking the things that he had to fulfill and treating them like they're optional. He said, these must be fulfilled. Can I just tell you, if Jesus failed to fulfill one of them, then Christianity is the biggest hoax on earth. And you and I are all fools. And there's a bunch of fools all over this world right now celebrating something called Easter. He had to fulfill everything that was here. He said that, I must fulfill. And then in verse 46, you see this, this content, this message of Christianity, this witness of Christianity, it's got particular content. Verse 46, he said to them, thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day, rise from the dead. This is a suffering, not just of inconvenience. This is not just a suffering of a, of a moral teacher who nobody tended to like what he said, so he got at odds with the crowd and got run out of town from time to time. No, this, this is a suffering that's going to end in death. He's going to die. And then he's going to be resurrected from the dead. And, and, and that repentance And forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. It is incredible news to stand on Easter morning and to recognize death can be defeated. We have a testimony. Jesus Christ overcame death. But can I tell you, if all you do is stand at a distance and go, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard that since I was a kid. Uh, Jesus didn't say, present something to them so that they can go, wow, I like that. That's pretty cool. No, he said, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Why are you and I in... New Orleans, Louisiana, 7,000 miles away from this event, this obscure event that only caught the attention of 120 people to gather. Why are you and I here talking about this today? Uh, Because God ordained a witness to begin in Jerusalem, and he accompanied that witness with such power that the world could not deny that the resurrection was real, and it continued to affect people all the way to here, so much so that that impact on their lives that they would tell other people, about what this resurrection did in their own lives. But part of that discussion would not just be that there was a man once who came out of a grave. Part of that would be that the response to this resurrected one is that we would seek forgiveness of our sins from him and that we would greet him with repentance. That's good news. I don't know why when I say those two concepts back to back, i almost like, did you have to pour cold water on the parade? Did you have to put us in touch? Oh, great, you know, what, does that mean I've done things wrong? Does that You know, it's like me, I didn't live up. I'm not good enough. I already feel that way, Keith. Can I just tell you, you don't feel that way bad enough. If you haven't used your QR code scanner, can I just tell you, you don't feel that way bad enough. If you haven't, sought and searched for a savior, you don't feel that way bad enough. The message of this resurrection is a message that you can find forgiveness of your sins in this one if you'll repent and turn to him. This witness, this message, it's got content in it. But, it's got more than content in it. This, this witness comes with an extension cord. It's got power attached to this witness. Look in verse 48 and 49. Right, So you are witnesses. That's who you are. Verse 49, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power. You are witnesses and you are clothed with power. Why does anybody listen to this stuff? We just got a story about a dead guy who came back to life 2,000 years ago in a remote location. That's what we got. Why are you and I gathering here singing songs about this? Why is this a big deal to us? Uh, Because that witness comes with an extension cord. And when you plug into that power, it suddenly proclaims this into your soul in some kind of a unique and powerful way. And that's true for anybody who's ever come to believe this story. Because everybody comes to believe it through a witness. And that witness is just somebody strapping on flesh, using a language that you understand, telling you a story. Really? That's it? That's it? except it comes with an extension cord. And when that power is plugged in to the power of God, it does something to you and you believe it. That's the story of the gospel. That's how you and I came to be impacted by this message so many thousands of years later. Look what Jesus has to do with his disciples. Look in verse 45 of that passage. It says, then, right, he Tells them the law of Moses, prophets, and the, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. How did these guys get it? How did these disciples get it? And isn't this an amazing thought? They have been sitting in school with Jesus for three years. They've been following Jesus for three years. But in this moment, he is going to open their minds to the scriptures. They're going to get it like they've never gotten it before because this witness comes with strange power. Can you explain what exactly that verse just described? Can, can you, can, can you explain to me what it means for God to open their minds? Right? I mean, some of us, you know, sixties and seventies, we had a lot of mind opening experiences, uh, things that we were taking, uh, Opening our minds to stuff. I'm not quite sure that's what Jesus is talking about here. But there's a mind opening experience that happens here. This is not just an exchange of information. This isn't you going to your chemistry class in high school. You don't have your mind opened by an exchange of information. This is something powerful happening that accompanies the telling of this story, right? That's why Acts chapter one, verse eight sounds the way it does, but you will receive power when the Holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to river Ridge and new Orleans, Louisiana. That's where I lived, River Ridge, right? To the end of the earth. How did this story travel so far and continue to have such an impact on everybody's life that it touched? Because you are about to get plugged into something that's more than you. And that's true in here this morning. That's true of every story in our lives. So here's the reality of this witness. God's plan, wrote this in your notes. God's plan for solving the human dilemma was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit. should never leave that out of your gospel understanding. Right? The, the giving of the Holy Spirit is the return of life. Right? If, if that didn't happen, boy, did we come up short. What God has done is he has, he has put life back in us. And then God's means of bringing that planet-altering cure to the world was to send out witnesses from the very first moment from the women who were the first to experience the resurrection. The order for them is go and tell, go and tell God is still sending out witnesses. Can I, can I just pull back the veil a little bit on this witness component that you might see the power that is in every time you share the gospel Every time you tell this story, there's a weird power that's in the moment with you. Any person here today who is listening to this and, and you've not come to Christ or you're watching, you've not come to Christ. God is at work behind the scenes to help your mind and your heart turn to him. And to open your understanding that this is true all these years later. I listen, to John chapter 1. This is mind-blowing. This is a massive event. This is the cure for the world. John 1 verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, right? This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That sounds pretty big, right? The true light that gives light to everyone. This is huge. God, what's your plan? You're going to write in the sky? You, 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 you're going to drop things from heaven? Angels are going to show up with massive wings and, and messages. They're and going to give out. the God, what's your plan? Well, there was a man sent from God to be a witness so that all may believe. That's pretty powerful. The solution to the universe's problem is going to be transferred by witnesses that just tell the story. Is that going to get the job done? Well, not if the dude ain't plugged in, it's not. But if he's plugged in, if he comes with an extension cord, Uh, that might be a pretty powerful thing. And remember John's background here? This is where John comes from. Luke chapter 1, verse 13, tells a story through his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Where does this John the Baptist come from? right? But the angel said to him, speaking to his dad, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be plugged in. I know it doesn't say that, right? He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, right? John the Baptist came with an extension cord and he will turn Many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. How is anybody going to believe this stuff when it gets said to them? Well, because there's this strange power that accompanies this message of the resurrection that turns hearts. Listen, if you read your Bible carefully, you will find out your heart is in serious trouble. I know we we can get impressed with ourselves. We can think highly of ourselves. We can think we're decent people, etc. But if you read the Bible, it will not present that version of you to you. If it's, a, if it's a doctor's medical diagnosis, you're going to find out you've got severe heart trouble. The Bible is going to stare back at you when you do your QR code in the Old Testament. One of the things it's going to do to you is it's going to inform you that you got a heart problem. You have a serious heart problem. So serious. Can I just tell you, the Bible will make you feel like my heart will never turn to God. It will never. T- it is so selfishly caved in on itself so much damage came from sin and polluted my heart that it's never going to turn to God that's what the Bible will make you feel like and then you're going to find out that God knows that and he sends a unique power with this witness that turns hearts to him John the Baptist is going to show up anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he gives witness, hearts are going to begin to turn to God. Something powerfully miraculous is going to happen. And he's just going to tell them who Jesus is. Right? Crowds gathered around him. Ken Hughes in his commentary on John says, finally, these crowds, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Right? I mean, somehow... There's a strange curiosity about this guy named John and people coming out to hear him. What do you say about yourself? John's answer reveals what is of primary importance in the matter of witnessing. First, he said, I'm the voice. He did not say, I am the word. He reached back 700 years to the words prophesied in Isaiah 40. And he said, I am just a voice. Can I take the pressure off of everybody in this room? When you go to share the resurrection story with anybody, you are just a voice, right? You are, this is my proverbial reality. We all get this. Cliff can explain it to you later if you need to meet with him. The mailman doesn't, I don't think Cliff, you don't go to each house under this pressure of, oh my gosh, what if they don't open it? What if they don't open it? That's a bill. What if they shut their lights off? You know, they don't open the bill. You feel that kind of pressure? You just deliver the mail, right? I'm guessing you just deliver the mail, right? I'm just a voice. You're just a voice. That's all you are, but, but, but you're a plugged-in voice. You're a voice that has weird power in what you do. When you proclaim the resurrection into other people's lives, John was just a voice, but this voice had this power to turn hearts, to turn the disobedient, to turn the unwise, to get into recesses inside of our lives and to give us the grace to turn to God. So, putting your outline there, if you are going to be saved from the terrible reign of sin in this world and from sin's four star general, Satan, who lives to pick up sin and make your life miserable, it's going to come to you through the vehicle of a witness. I just want to ask you what, what kind of moment are you looking to have with God? What? what What criteria are you creating that you want God to meet you in? Can can I just tell you, it's going to be somebody who's just telling you about the resurrection. They're just coming to tell you the story about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did. And that if you will seek him for forgiveness and will repent and turn to him, right? That's going to be the witness. That's be prepared. That's how this is going to come to you in this life. So today's witness to the resurrection, right? One of them, I'm going I'm to highlight two things uh, in in just sending us off with a thought about what, what does it mean to embrace this witness? Well, One of them is the QR code. God has provided a witness here. And maybe if you guys are watching at home and you're wondering, I mean, I've never read the Bible. Oh man, that, that's... That's not a good thing. That's not a thing you want to give yourself permission to have avoided. So if you haven't read the Bible, what you've been scanning that created your view and your ideas about how to relate to God, how to get right with God, what God is even like, what does he call upon you to be or to do or to believe? If you haven't scanned this, you, I mean, you do recognize that. Everybody humble enough to recognize you've been scanning something. Nobody sits around and just says, I ain't scanning nothing. I'm coming up with it all original me, me. I'm just waiting around for a good thought. I'm going to figure the whole thing out. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not reading a book. I'm not watching anything. I'm not buying this stuff from anybody else. Me, I'm the source. I'm going to come up with it all. Is there anybody thinking that's what you're going to do? So that means every one of us have taken our soul's device and have scanned something. We've held our soul up to some kind of a QR code and said, tell me, what do you think? Ah, what a day when we stand before God in heaven and we said, God, I scanned all kinds of codes. I just never got around to scanning this one. But if you'd have scanned this one, Jesus would have come to you and made, been made clear to you that he Is the Messiah the long awaited one that could put everything right between us and God? I just scanned this one, but can I tell you, these witnesses this is a witness, but the people who come to you, they're witnesses, they're witnesses whose lives have been impacted by this God. Who has come alive to them. And they are not the same people anymore. There was 120 of these people meeting in Acts. Can you count how many Christians are in the world today? How many people have come to know this God of resurrection. That came from this 120. 120. That wasn't even a big number for Jerusalem. 120. But when... The power of the resurrection touches their lives. They are different people now. There is something about them that's compelling in and of itself. When they bring this message to you, the impact the message had on them says something to us when we listen to it, right? I wrote this in your outline. These witnesses, they weren't just telling what they saw, although they did see something incredible. They were impacted and empowered by the Holy Spirit they experienced a new life, a a new purpose for their life. The reality of sins forgiven. Can you imagine? Because this is the message. We proclaim forgiveness of sins. Can you imagine what it feels like to have your sins and your guilt lifted off of your life? And now go live, go live among people, go get around other people with the awareness that your sins have been lifted off of your life. The impact of God's personal love do you know how many souls are just waiting to encounter the god who loves them every form of people love setting love family love has fallen short over and over and over again because the soul waits for god to personally love them and they get to experience that in this power the transformation of their hearts and motives their love for others goes berserk they're transformed religious practices just days before this was their religious world. And then suddenly something happened to them and their religious world is now totally different. Their cultural habits get overwritten like that. Right? You want to see this in Acts chapter 4? Acts chapter 1 has got 120 people in it. Acts chapter 4 has thousands in it. Just a matter of weeks later. Acts chapter four, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Can you just not read that too fast? How many of you guys would be willing to walk out of this building having turned over everything to somebody else? Can you think? Before you leave here today, sign over your mortgage, hand your car keys to somebody else. Everything, right? They didn't claim anything was theirs, but everything is, there's needs all around the place. I mean, there's just been this outbreak. There are thousands of people who are in Jerusalem, who are in need, who have been impacted by the resurrection of Christ. They didn't come to Jerusalem to become Jesus followers. They came to Jerusalem to honor the Passover and to be part of the festivals that were taking place. But they got impacted by the resurrection. The power of the resurrection touched their world and turned it upside down. And now they got needs all over the place. And this community who they don't even know is doing this stuff. Can anybody say this is bizarre? And with great Power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That testimony comes with power and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each one as anybody had need. Thus Joseph was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You and I have read the Bible too often sometimes to get how weird this is. This wasn't a Jesus festival. Nobody was coming to Jerusalem because this is it. This is the big moment. Where the Son of God, who is the Messiah, is going to be crucified. And then, three days later, he's going to come up out of the grave. And he's going to be resurrected. And we're going to all know he's the Messiah. And we're going to receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. And we're here for that. Can I just tell you, that's not why this crowd was here. His own disciples didn't get that. But yet, within a matter of weeks, something has gone off of the reality of who this Jesus really is. And their world is now upside down. And they don't relate to people the same way. They don't live out of the same ideas that they once had. What a powerful transformation has taken place in their lives. John Piper says, Now this authentic believing in Jesus has two effects. Now the company of those who believe were of one heart and soul. There you see the first effect. Believing in Jesus Tightens the heart 's relationship to people, especially other Christians, when you become united to Jesus by faith, you become united to people by love. Can I just tell you a genuine true fellowship comes with an extension cord? It gets pulled off because there 's something more than me and you in the exchange. Then comes the other effect as we read on now the company of those who believe were of one heart and soul here it is and No one said that any of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had everything in common. So there is the second effect of trusting Jesus. First, the heart is tightened in its relationship to people. And second, the heart is loosened in its relationship to things. Faith in Christ creates a bond of love to people and cuts the bond of love to things. I don't know what you're looking for to testify powerfully, but if you can show me something that, that causes people to love people who they don't even know very well, who are very different from them, and to loosen up their own personal interest, you just showed me something pretty powerful in my estimation, right? But here's the craziness in this. J.P. Morgan and describes this moment when he says, a rabbi named Jesus appears from a lower class region. You just got to get this. This is crazy. He teaches for three years, gathers a following of lower and middle class people, gets in trouble with the authorities and gets crucified, by the way, along with 30,000 other Jewish men who were executed during the same time period, right? Sometimes we look back and it's like, oh, Jesus was crucified. Lots of people were crucified. It's the way the Romans killed people on the towns outside of the, the cities the roads outside town but 5 weeks after he was crucified over 10,000 Jews are following him and claiming that he is the initiator of a new religion and get this they're willing to give up or alter all five of the social institutions that they have been taught since childhood have such importance both sociologically and theologically Right? There was a list of things that you would have lived your life by that just moments before you believed, they framed the patterns of your life. Do you understand that temple that they all came to visit in Jerusalem was a place where you brought animal sacrifices because that was your means of dealing with the forgiveness of sins in your life. Do you understand they met Jesus and they never brought another animal sacrifice ever again? Don't read that too fast, right? If you grew up here in New Orleans, you probably grew up Catholic like I did. Do you remember the first day you thought about not going to mass? You came to some belief point in your life where your path was diverging from what you had once believed, and you thought, I'm not gonna go to mass. I mean, that was massive for me. That was a big deal. Right? Don't read this like, oh, they just stopped sacrificing animals. This was everything they had known up to this point. This is how you stay right with God. They gathered every week in the synagogue on Saturday. But when Jesus comes along, they start gathering with believers on Sunday. You think that was a small deal? You remember how freaked out the Pharisees were when Jesus bothered to do anything extra on a Sabbath day? And He relocated the whole day. (laughs) This is crazy stuff. They worshiped Jesus. They just killed him. And then shortly after that, they're now going to worship. Can you explain any of this? How 10,000 people went from that posture to this? Apart from what? The resurrection was real. The resurrection had power. It really did happen. It touched these people's lives and it lit them up and it changed who they are. Ken Hughes describes this resurrection when he says, with explosive power, they continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Despite all the counter propaganda of the Sadducees, the church received divine enablement. Why are these people doing this stuff? Because they are plugged into something. To present the fact of the resurrection. Paul later wrote in Romans 6.4. We were therefore. Buried with him through baptism. Into death. In order that just. As Christ was raised from the dead. Through the glory of the father. We too. Might live a new life. We too might walk in newness. Of life. That resurrection life that Jesus came out. He transferred that life. To us. That's what creates all the talk and all the discussion. Ken Hughes goes on and says, they themselves had resurrection life. And as a result, the people who heard, believed. There was hard evidence, living eyewitnesses, et cetera, to prove that Christ was alive. But for many, it was enough to see him living in the lives of his followers. Their great power was resurrection power. Listen, at some point, this this gospel is going to get outside of Jerusalem. And it's going to get away from the talk of the events that just happened in the last couple of months. And it's going to find its way into other parts of the world. And it's still going to have incredible power in that moment. Can I tell you, part of that power is because the QR code is true and Jesus fulfilled these things and there's a witness of the reality of God's voice. Part of that power is the person telling you is a different person. They have been affected by this resurrection. And if you know that person, you know that's true. And there's this witness. Let me ask uh, Ronald, go ahead and come back up here, buddy. It's an interesting thing. J.P. Moreland says there's one other category of evidence, of witness, if you will, you haven't asked about. It's the ongoing encounter with the resurrected Christ that happens all over the world. In every culture, to people from all kinds of backgrounds and personalities. Well-educated and not well-educated. Rich and poor thinkers and feelers men and women they all will testify that more than any single thing in their lives jesus christ has changed them the message of jesus can open the door to a direct encounter with the risen christ now i I, I wish i could do this because i know sitting in this room especially if you're kind of new to the church or maybe even visiting or watching online especially You don't know many of the stories in this room. You don't know where some of these people have come from. You don't know how different they are from each other. But they have this massive thing in common. They have encountered the living God who came out of the grave in resurrection on this day that we celebrate together. And they are different people. Than they once were. And some of them have stories that would make your hair stand up. Some of them, maybe more average kind of experiences growing up and what their past was like. But there's a living reality within them. They live out of something that's real every day of their life. They have a hope in them. They have a joy. It doesn't mean that they don't shed tears. It doesn't mean they don't struggle. Don't have doubts and fears and moments. But what always returns to them is this pervasive sense of hope in God. What is that? Is that hype? No, it's not hype. It's this weird power that comes from the resurrection that gets plugged into our lives. It's God transferring power. It's why he said, hey, don't try and do this on your own. You're just a voice. Without me, you're just a voice. And there's a lot of voices out there. But when God's power is in your life, you are a witness now. You're not just a voice. You're a a witness of the resurrection. So I'm going to read you a testimony of a man here to close the time together. And we're going to pray. But I, I could call up from the audience this type of story from within this room. People who would sound just like this. I'm reading his so that I don't have to pull somebody out of the audience and ask them to say this. But there was a man named Lee Strobel. Lee was a, a, a self-described skeptic atheist. He was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune. And he wrote a book called The Case for Christ, right? So he put Jesus on trial. And he interviewed from multiple perspectives. Could this possibly be true? And he searched to see whether it really was. And this is his story. He says, after a personal investigation that spanned more than 600 days and countless hours, my own verdict in the case for Christ was clear. However, as I sat at my desk, I realized that I needed more than an intellectual decision. I wanted to take the experiential step that J.P. Moreland had described in his last interview. Looking for a way to bring that about, I reached over to a Bible and opened it to John chapter 1, verse 12, a verse I had encountered during my investigation. It says, yet to all Who have received him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The key verbs in that verse spell out what mathematical precision what it takes to go beyond mere mental assent to Jesus' deity and enter into an ongoing relationship with him by becoming adopted into God's family. Believe plus receive equals become. As someone educated in journalism and law, I was trained to respond to the facts wherever they lead. For me, the data demonstrated convincingly that Jesus is the son of God who died as my substitute to pay the penalty I deserve for the wrongdoing I had committed. And there was plenty of wrongdoing. I'll spare myself the embarrassment of going into details. But the truth is that I've been living a profane drunken, self-absorbed, and immoral lifestyle. In my career, I had backstabbed my colleagues to gain personal advantage and had routinely violated legal and ethical standards in pursuit of stories. In my personal life, I was sacrificing my wife and children on the altar of success. I was a liar, a cheater, and a deceiver. My heart had shrunk to the point where it was rock hard toward anyone else. My main motivator was personal pleasure. And ironically, the more I hungrily sought after it, the more elusive and self-destructive it became. Struble then tells the story of the moment he placed his faith in Christ, November 8th, 1981. How much his life changed, what impact this had on him as a person. He says, it's very real to me now, to those around me. In fact, so radical was the difference in my life that a few months after I became a follower of Jesus, Our five-year-old daughter, Allison, went up to my wife and said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he's done for Daddy. Here was a little girl who had only known a father who was profane, angry, verbally harsh, and all too often absent. Even though she had never interviewed a scholar, never analyzed the data, never investigated historical evidence, she had seen up close the influence that Jesus can have on one person's life. In effect, she was saying, if this is what God does to a human being, that's what I want for me. Jesus had an agenda when he rose from the dead. First thing he said to these women who had come for themselves to experience the resurrection, they had seen this resurrection and what joy filled their lives. And he tells them this, go and tell, go and tell. They were appointed from the moment the resurrection becomes known by any human being they were appointed to go and tell. And so this morning, that's all we're doing. We're just here to tell the story of the resurrection. The story that if you'll look into these writings, you will find highlighted over and over and over again. This Jesus who must come to restore us to God. That's, that's the message of this word. That's what God went to great lengths to write down. So that if you stared here and Jesus showed up, you'd go, that's him, that's the one. But that's not the only witness that God left for you. Maybe some of you are here today, you're here with a family member. Maybe some who are watching by our live stream. You know other people who have encountered Jesus. Sometimes that's a little weird. I got saved as a teenager and went through some really radical changes in my life. Um, people at school called me and a couple of my friends, the Jesus boys. My parents called me a Jesus freak. I was probably pretty weird, okay probably kind of got complicated, but but the reality was I was not the same person. I had met the real living Jesus who came up out of that grave, and he was still as alive to me as he was to Mary on that moment when he said i 'm alive." You probably know people who have met this Jesus. And when you look at their lives, their lives tell a story, a witness that this resurrection is real. It has an impact. It changes people. It affects their lives. And Jesus loves each and every one of us in such a way that he has sent somebody to tell you this. That's what this witness is. It's the witness of the resurrection. You guys are watching Somehow God has traveled all the way into this time zone, into this location to share a witness with you that he's alive and he can powerfully affect your life. If you would do what John chapter one, verse 12 says to as many as received him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's the invitation I want to give to you. That's the invitation that God intends for the resurrection to bring to all of our lives. God holds out a life to us, it's a resurrection life. And He he says, Here, you believe in me? Would you come to me for the forgiveness of your sins? Would you put all your trust in me that I'll forgive your sins? Would you repent of doing life your own way for your own reasons? Would you surrender your life to me? If you'll do that, here, receive my life. Receive this power. Get plugged into the life and power of God in your own life. So if you want to do that, you can pray a prayer right now. You can open your heart to God by words. Isn't it interesting that God transfers this to you by words? You can transfer your own life to him by words as well, by praying and opening your heart to him. Let's do that this morning. Let's just bow our heads together and, you guys are at home, you're watching, driving in a car, wherever you're watching this. Don't, don't close your eyes if you're driving a car, but pull over and just get a moment with God. Just stare God in the face, this God who took our place. And you have this conversation or the one that's similar to it in your own heart. Jesus, it is really amazing that thousands of years later thousands of miles removed your resurrection is as powerful today as it's ever been that can't just be human beings making that happen or you have sent us a living word jesus i need that living word i need what you did for me to fulfill all that was written about you. I needed you to die in my place to forgive me of my sins. I needed you to have the power to overcome death because I was never going to be able to overcome death. And I needed you to give me life, Lord, because I've known what it's like to live life with this sense of emptiness on the inside. Yet God, here, I know you want to give life to me today. So, Lord Jesus, I do. I turn to you on this Easter Sunday morning, 2021. I turn to you. I do believe in who you are. It just bears witness with me. I do. I believe in who you are and I receive what you did for me. And more than that, I receive you into my life, your very life. Come, take up your life in me. Give me A heart that's transformed, that that loves people in a new way, that follows you in a radical way. God, give me a new life. Take up your life in me from this moment forward. God, give me the grace to tell others about this resurrection. And all that you've done. And all the days ahead. And the promises that you've made that go from now all the way through eternity. Jesus, I'm going to follow you to the end of time in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to sing together. If you guys want to stand up with us, listen, if you prayed that prayer just now, and that maybe was the first time you came to a place where you opened your life and received Christ in your life. If you're here with us today, would you just come? I'm going to stand up here in the front of this church. Would you come find me afterwards? Just say, Hey, today, Easter Sunday, I prayed that prayer. For the first time, if, if you guys are watching on live stream, um, this is the beginning. This isn't the period at the end of the sentence. This is a new life that God's given to you. What an adventure you are entering into to become a witness of the resurrection yourself. If we can help you at all, pray with you, provide a Bible to you, anything at all, just contact us. You can do that through our app or through our website at lakeviewchristiancenter.com. And we'd love to serve you in whatever way we could. But can we... Can we sing this morning that life is in us, that resurrection life is in you right now. You're plugged in to that life. So let it provide some volume. Let it provide the meaning to these words that we sing together. We sing
1: because we've been made alive. Amen? Amen. Let's sing. Amen. Last year on Easter Sunday, this building was empty. There was no one here on Easter Sunday. Now it's full. So let's sing out as our pastor has admonished us to do so. The greatest day in history. Death is beaten. you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive alive